Let's pray. Our Father God, we come here to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege of doing it in the celebration and in the mourning of the loss, but his gain of your presence, of our dear brother Charlie. We pray that as we witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you will give us faith, those who believe in you, and that those who are unbelieving or doubting that you will strengthen them through the testimony of your word and through the testimony of this family. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of every heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read our scripture text, which is from the great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. There are many commentaries that are written just on this chapter. It's a long chapter, and it's where we have the most complete testimony to the resurrection of our Lord and to the resurrection of those who die in him. I'm picking up with verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Now, this is the word of the Lord. Well, those of you that knew Charlie, you know why I chose this text, right? I was his next door neighbor for many years. And I was just trying to think, what passage of Scripture... And then the words came to me, steadfast, immovable. And that's what Charlie was. It's a very unusual thing today. It's a peculiarly manly trait, although some men are married to women that might argue with you about that. We don't have a lot of steadfast and immovable men. And those of you who are here to mourn Charlie, but don't know this church, may not know that this year we have lost three men, all of whom were steadfast and immovable. One was a captain in the Navy, Joe Rice, he just died suddenly. Another was a physician, Adam Spady, some of you knew him. 
And what characterized all three of these men was that they were steadfast and immovable. Now, I think there are a lot of us that grew up with fathers who were steadfast and immovable who think it's not exactly a, a positive trait. And I was thinking about that because, you know, you could say it and people could think, well, yeah, you know, in other words, he was stubborn. So I was, I was thinking about that and I said, I, I think it was to you, Dustin, it was either one of the sons. But I said, you know, the interesting thing about Charlie was, and this is unusual, that Charlie was malleable and movable at the things that were very, very important and steadfast and stubborn at the things that didn't matter. <laughs> now, go, go with me here. What I meant and said to Dustin is that from the time that Charlie showed up in this community, Charlie had a meek spirit towards the pastor. You know that John Calvin, writing five centuries ago, he says, there's barely one in a hundred who is teachable among men. It's true. From the time Charlie showed up, he was malleable and meek, and he was like the little bird in the springtime with its head back, its mouth open, Charlie expected God to feed him through the church. It had nothing to do with me. I was simply his shepherd. And he expected his shepherd to give him the words of eternal life. He would never miss. Now you say, well, there's a preacher, and you know, he runs the business, and he has to get people to come. And I say, you're pathetic. If you think I'm up here because I'm a merchant of salvation, I don't know what to say to you. I was sitting there thinking about Susie and that she is here worshiping today. And I can't remember, I'm sure it's happened, I don't remember another time where you have worshiped without Charlie next to you. Yeah, I don't remember it. They sat back where you are, sir, with the white hair and the, I think, glasses. That's where Charlie sat, right where you are. And before I preach, I'm back there, I'm on the wall or something. And so Sunday after Sunday, I would be behind Charlie as he worshiped and as he had a death sentence that he was fully aware of. He knew that his end was coming. And Charlie was, I would say, in worship, the most physically demonstrative of, all, of everyone. Now, if you don't know Charlie, that won't surprise you. But those of you who know Charlie, that surprises you because, you know, Charlie was a man's man. And generally, we, we, we think that, you know, People that are demonstrative in worship are gay, you know? I, I'm using the old use of the word. They're soft, they're sentimental, they're, they're, you know, they're not real men, but Charlie was a real man. And I want you to know that story about cutting off the top of the tree he was tied to. <laughs> it continued. <laughs> I was his next door neighbor. The, the most intense confrontation Charlie and I had was one day 
I don't know whether you called me. I don't, did you actually call me? So I had a four-wheel drive, 93 Toyota something or other pickup. And Charlie had, uh, uh, what was it, an old bedraggled rear <laughs> Civic. I, but I mean, it was beat to death. This thing was beat to death. And he had a sinkhole in the back of his yard. And he was clearing out the sinkhole. He'd, he'd harvested, timbered some trees, and then he was clearing what was left out. And Susie called me, would you get out there and help Charlie? So I got the strap in the back of the truck. I went over, and here he had his little car way down in the sinkhole, trying to pull a tree up out of the sinkhole. And of course, the car was stuck. Everything was stuck, you know. And that was Charlie. If he could do it alone, he would. Charlie led us in worship. He was the most demonstrative. And what that means is that Charlie had the most, and it's a dead word, he had the most zeal, zeal. You remember what it says when Jesus whipped everybody in the temple? It says that zeal for the house of God consumed him. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, we wish it could. Because if flesh and blood could inherit the kingdom of God, we could have our Charlie. But it can't. And this is the reason that Christians have always buried each other. Because God has put in seeds, and who knows seeds better than Charlie and Susie? God has put in seeds the testimony to flesh and blood not inheriting eternal life. Because the seed has to be put in the ground where it rots. But not forever. Because spring, the Bible says, while earth remains, the seasons will continue. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. While the earth remains, it's one of God's promises. And so when spring comes, this body, this flesh and blood that we know as Charlie will inherit eternal life. But before he does, he will be transformed because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. And because the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. And so having explained to us the indignities and the brokenness, and I don't mean that in a soft, effeminate way, having seen the indignities and brokenness and pain of life, the Apostle Paul says to us, Flesh and blood cannot inherit eternal life. The perishable can't inherit the imperishable. What is mortal cannot inherit immortality. And so we're there and we're okay, okay. So we have to go through this. There's no way around it, right? Is that what you're saying, Paul? He says, yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
And he knows we're discouraged. He knows that none of us want to lose our husband. I have a dear friend named Dan Reuter. Some of you know him. He decided at the age of 75 to get his law degree at IU and start practicing law after spending his life as a Presbyterian minister. And I was in a deposition with him, and I turned to him, and I looked at Dan, and by then he was probably, we were 85. And I said, Dan, do you miss your wife? She had died recently. And he said, do I miss her? I said, yeah, is it painful? He said, I, he said, I feel as if I w- half of me was amputated and there was no anesthetic. Let's please not simply deal with death by having trite celebrations of life. Can we please cry? Can we please all admit that we hate death? We hate death. I hate death. There's not a day going by that I don't miss my mommy. (laughs) Now I'm going to cry. And my daddy. And all my brothers. But the Apostle Paul is very tender with us. And he says, the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. And we're all like, okay, all right, okay, 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 all right. But, but then he says this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The apostle Paul is always so tender. He knows how discouraged we are. He knows the sadness. And so right then he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. And about then, all of us are wanting to know the mystery. And he says this, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Here's the word we. Now, who does this word we pertain to? Who does it apply to? Well, the word we applies to Christians. It does not apply to unbelievers. And you know that because he says it's a mystery. (laughs) You know that because he's writing the church. You know that because if you had not been in church in Corinth, you wouldn't have known the mystery. So if this is a mystery that you think matters to you, think about Corinth back 2,000 years ago. You had to be among the people of God to be told the mystery. You're all with me. I'm getting pushy. But if you think I'm pushy, wait until you see Charlie. He was pushy too. He pushed me. Listen, this is a mystery. And the we pertains to the people of God. And it's not because we have the right position on abortion. It's not because we have the right position on COVID. It has nothing to do with politics. 
the reason that we are Christians is we have the right position on sin. And we don't lie about it. And it starts with me. It starts with me. I confess my sins to my wife, to my children. That is the mark of a Christian. Did you hear the testimony of his son, Ben? Such a beautiful testimony about the character and faith of his father. And so if you want to be honest about death, if you want to be honest about needing the mystery, if you want to be included in the we, you must humble yourself before God. And you must flee to the blood of Christ to wash you. There is no other path of salvation. And the only salvation you need is not from COVID. I'm not saying that I don't want to be saved from COVID. That's not my point. The only salvation you need is from the judgment of God. That's what we need. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Any of you that know Handel's Messiah? You know, you got the trumpet there. This text is, is one of the high points of the Messiah, Handel's Messiah. This is beautiful. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. And this we pertains to the people who are dead in Christ in the ground. And it pertains, so that's springtime for them. And they will spring and they will precede us. They will go to heaven before we do. Or they will have precedence, okay? They'll be first in line. When this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, I want to be very clear to you about something. What a preacher does is a preacher points out the errors of his day. He doesn't just tell nice stories so that you have a nice thought for the week. A preacher tells you to avoid mistakes of a culture because he holds to truth. And this statement here, when it says, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Do not think that by putting death into a hospital room with professionals. Okay, don't think by having a celebration service, telling jokes, laughing. I mean, we all do that when we celebrate a life, yes. Do not think that by removing the pain of death, not having a funeral service, just, just cremating the body and taking it out and spreading it on the... Do not think that you have in any way had a victory over death. You can call death green. You can want a green burial. You you can do anything you want, but death is a whore, and it will remain a whore until God calls the dead from the ground that belong to him. That is the only victory we're going to have over death. It's the only one. False victories are no comfort if they do not drive us to Jesus. 
then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then just this, this uh, crescendo rhetorically, he says, oh, death, where is your victory? He's taunting death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And then he says, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. In other words, what he's saying is, look, the only reason death exists is because of sin. The thing that makes death awful is sin. There wouldn't have been death if there had not been sin. Okay, this is the sting. And the power of sin is the law. God has given us a law. God has commanded us to obey it. That law is written on your heart. You know what God commands. You know it. And it's a powerful thing in a man. And it either drives him to drink in despair or it drives him to Jesus. And that's what God intends. God intends to make us despair of ourselves. That's the purpose of the law. That's why death is so painful. And then verse 57, but, you know, but, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you have to, you have to look death in the eyes and you have to cry and you have to sing songs that cynics call maudlin. You have to mourn. You have to grieve. And you especially have to grieve Charlie's sin and your sin and my sin that has corrupted this world and has caused us to despair of victory until God brings it about. We wait for God to give us victory over the grave. We bury our dead. They rot. And God germinates them. And we don't see that right now. But we submit ourselves to that indignity because it's a testimony to you and to everyone who watches that this is not the end. It's just the beginning for Charlie. It's just the beginning. He will put on immortality. This is a mystery to the world as it watches, but not to us. Now, we come to <laughs> Charlie. Are you ready? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. In other words, on the basis of the sting of death, the sin, the law of God, the indignity, the pain, the grief. In the face of this, dear brothers, be steadfast and immovable. And I mean, honestly, anybody who knew Charlie is strengthened. When I read that scripture to you and you knew Charlie, you're like, yep, yeah, I'm going to be Charlie. I'm going to be Joe. 
I wish you guys had known Joe like we do. I think you knew Adam, didn't you? Oh, Adam, Joe, Charlie. Oh, my goodness. Have we taken a body blow this year? But you know something? I couldn't help but think with you up here, Ben. You're your daddy's son. You know, it's so beautiful to see men who are not ashamed of being men. They're not trying to cop a posture as being malleable. They're not effeminate. They don't have a gay aesthetic. They're men. And those men were taught by their father to be steadfast and immovable. And look, it does no good to be steadfast and immovable when it comes to moving a piece of soapstone into the bathroom, you know, which is Charlie's and my most intense fight was at that moment. (laughs) I'll tell you the story. He asked if I would come over and help him, which was a hundred year flood with Charlie, you know, asking me for help, you know, the preacher. So I went over, and the problem was that Charlie had a limit on how much he could carry at this time, all right? So his cancer had gotten to his body to the point where he was not able to do the things he had done his whole life. And I don't know if any of you have ever lifted soapstone. I have. He had a huge piece of soapstone that was one wall of a shower he was putting in. It was out in the garage. It had to be lifted up and brought across the garden, up the stairs, in the garage, up the stairs, into the room, across the room, into the dining room, across the dining room, into the hall, left at the hall, then right, then in the bathroom. And from the time I picked it up, I thought, I don't know that I'm going to be able to just carry this, this thing the whole way. And there was somebody else. Who was it? Maybe it was Archie. Archie, was it you? Yeah, okay. He said, you remember this moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very intense. And the whole way across the dining room, all I could think of was, I can't do this. And Charlie's, all right, now, 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 finally, we get into the bathroom. And we set it down. And my, I'm dead. And Charlie says, oh, he says, that's wrong. He says, pick it up, take it back into the living or the dining room, flip it around, then come back in. And at that moment, I looked at Charlie. I didn't have it to lift it up again. I'm sure Doug did, but I just didn't even have it. Charlie looks at me and says, so, do you don't, what did he say? He said, you don't want to take orders or do you, you, Something like, you can't take orders, can you? Or something like this, you know? <laughs> and it was the payas de resistance. I was so tired, I didn't actually get angry. I just tried to figure out how to get it out of that bathroom, turned around, and back in. Now... I'm going, to, I'm going to close with this. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain of the Lord. I'm going to tell you a secret about pastors. 
And the secret is that pastors don't work for pay. Nobody really does work for pay. I don't know if you know that, but money is not why people work. People work for their relationships. People work for a sense of fulfillment in their work, right? Pastor's fulfillment is having people in the church confess their sins to them. That is far and away the thing that gives a pastor his motivation and his joy in doing his work. Trust me, it's true. And you know something from when Charlie first showed up from New Hampshire? He would ask me things about his sin. And if you knew Charlie, you knew that that didn't come naturally to him. And that made me respect him. Because that is the work of a Christian. The work of a Christian is to glorify God by confessing his sins. And so, you know, I've done a lot of funerals. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes you're tempted to lie at funerals, you know. I'm not lying. I'm telling you this, I'm giving you this straight dope. Charlie feared God, Charlie loved God, and Charlie confessed his sin. And what that means is Charlie was steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord because there is no work that the Lord desires more from us than looking to him because of our sin and asking him to forgive us. So thank you for the privilege of loving your father. (laughs) Here, husband, let's pray. Oh, father, would you give us faith? Father, help us to mourn and to grieve the perishable and the mortal. Help us to hate death. Help us to flee to your son and to his cross and to his blood for our victory over this great, great terror that we face every day. Thank you for Charlie. Comfort us as we miss him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.